If you have an unquenchable thirst to crush your bucket list, relentlessly pursue your dreams, and live life on your own terms, then turn up the volume and tune in. You're now listening to Zeph and Moses Blacksburg on the Year of Purpose podcast. This episode of the Year of Purpose is brought to you by our brand new book, Life Rescripted. Find your purpose and design your dream life before the curtains close. If you want to be the first in line to receive a free digital copy from me, all you have to do is head on over to www.liferescriptedbook.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Zeph and Moses Blacksburg from the Year of Purpose podcast. And today I'm joined by Dr. Hans Finzel. And he is a successful author, speaker, and trusted authority in the field of leadership. For 20 years, he served as president and CEO of international nonprofit World Venture, working in over 65 countries. Hans speaks and writes on practical leadership principles from the real world, not the classroom. He has written nine books, including his newest release, Launch Your Encore, and bestseller, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make. Hans has trained leaders on five continents, and his books have been translated into over 20 foreign languages. Today, he serves as president of HD Leaders and is chief leadership guru on the Leadership Answer Man podcast, and today, he's spending some time with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. I know that you are getting ready to enjoy the amazing outdoor weather that you have there, whereas I'm getting ready to go buy a winter coat because I am not prepared for the snow that's incoming. Uh-huh. But uh, it's so great to to meet you finally and to kind of jump into leadership and also, you know, having a passion for what you do for work. Uh, I was hoping maybe you could just start with a little bit of, you know, your history and elaborate a little bit about what were those different organizations? You know, what did World Venture do um, and what does your current organization do? Well, my history is in, uh, well, actually, I grew up in Alabama. Uh, I have a long story because I'm a lot older than you. (laughs) I went away to college, University of Alabama to study business, but I I was lost and aimless. And I had a real turnaround in my college years and decided to go into the nonprofit ministry world. And so uh, that's what I did. I went to seminary and then I, uh, so my whole career has been uh, nonprofit work. training leaders, really, in the nonprofit sector, in the ministry world. Uh, my wife and I lived in Vienna, Austria for 10 years. That was a very cool experience to live overseas. I'm German. You probably figured that out from my name, Hans Finzel. <laughs> so German's my first language and grew up in a German home. So then, uh, yeah, I was actually with World Venture uh, for the 10 years we were in Europe and uh, doing leadership development, leadership training. And then I was called to become the CEO elected by the board. So I did that for 20 years. I've always been interested in leadership because history is a story of leadership, you know, great leaders and terrible leaders. And in my uh, gifting, you know, like my strengths finders profile, you know, significance is one of my key things in all my life. I feel like I need to do stuff that's significant and make an impact. And I think that's why I gravitated toward the topic of leadership, because leaders make things happen. And so I started writing books on leadership because actually I worked for a terrible boss in early <laughs> In my career, when I speak on leadership, I always ask people, how many of you have worked for a terrible boss? And 95% of the people will raise their hand. 
And is why is that so? And so I started to, you know, dig into that. Why are some why do so many people suck at leadership and make life miserable for the followers under them? And when I became a CEO, I wanted to be the opposite. I wanted to be an empowering leader, a leader that would help people achieve their goals. And so that was kind of my quest for uh, the topic of leadership. I, I finished up that 20-year run as CEO, and we can talk a little bit more about the passion thing, but I I didn't really retire. I just quit early because, uh, you know, believe it or not, after 20 years, I lost the passion for it. And you were telling me about a great job you had where you were making a lot of money and doing cool stuff, but your heart wasn't in it. And when I eventually got to that place where my heart wasn't in it anymore, and that's when I launched uh, out with my wife and I, and we started a new organization called HD Leaders. Uh, now, HD, hmm, what would that stand for? Would that be heavy duty, high definition? <laughs> no, actually, it stands for Hans and Donna. Nice. <laughs> so we together just have a passion to come alongside, especially nonprofit leaders. That's kind of my niche. Uh, and uh, try to help them do a better job in leadership. So that's now what I'm doing in podcasting, teaching, writing, speaking, mentoring. It's all about leadership. Very nice. Well, so one question came up for me that I want to try to circle back to, but it was essentially about how you were saying, you know, you had lost the passion after such a long period of time. So in a minute, I want to jump into, you know, is that a part of leadership? Is that something that happens? But um, before I do that, I just wanted to say that, you know, I've worked in many leadership roles ever since I was in high school as a teenager uh, through a local youth group. And now, you know, I also volunteer with a youth group and I sit on a board of directors for a nonprofit that we just started. But I would have never seen myself as being a leader, at least growing up. You know, I was more thrust into the role uh, than anything. It was not just, you know, I saw an opportunity and stepped up to the challenge. It was more of, hey, here's what you're going to do now, and this is how it's going to be. Um, so do you feel that people are are born with the abilities to be in this role? I, I mean, obviously, you, you teach leadership, so I'm sure that you see it as a, a very teachable thing, but is there such a thing as, you know, a, a better leader than another? Well, you're asking the question, are leaders born or are they made? Uh, and the, the answer is yes, <laughs> they're both. Uh, I don't think, yes, some people are born with natural leadership abilities. It's a personality thing. It's a brain wiring. It's a bent. Uh, I, I was born with leadership ability. It's not like I ever said when I was young, I'm going to be a leader. I just, you know what leaders do? They step into vacuums. Uh, you know, I have three sons and a daughter. And one of my sons was telling me the other day, he said, Dad, you know, it really is true. Uh, a lot of people are reluctant leaders who step into a vacuum because nobody else is leading. And that sounds to me a little bit like that was your experience. Yeah, no, that's absolutely you know, I was used to in school doing school projects and, you know, you're placed with three or four other people. And uh, there's always the one person who does absolutely nothing. There's always the one person who's like in their own little world, but kind yeah. of working on the project. Yeah, right. And then it's like up to the final two people to figure out who's going to take charge of it. And so yeah. I definitely know what that was like. Now, so jumping back again to the passion part of it is part of 
leadership, you know, is it a very natural part where uh, you might lose passion for what you're doing? And is that because of how much effort you're putting into it? You know, it's 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 interesting because I have been documenting people uh, who continue to lead into their 70s and 80s and, and have a lot of passion. And so you can't always say you run out of gas. But in my – so, you know, because there are exceptions. But for my case, I fought so many battles – and I'm a change agent, and I took over an old 50-year-old organization that had a lot of issues. You know, and we, we built a new brand. We relocated to Colorado. We built a new building. We changed really our everything about how we operated. And I think it took a toll on me to where I got exhausted uh, from all the mountains I climbed and all the battles I fought and all the brush I had to clear. And I just... You know what? When a leader needs to quit, is when uh, they look more in the rearview mirror than out the front window. And I realized when people would ask me about my vision for the future, I no longer had vision for the future. I was tired. You know, leaders do more damage by staying too long than by leading too soon. And I see a lot of that among the boomer generation. I'm a boomer, and we need to get out of the way and quit hanging on if we run out of gas. And, and, and we can get to what should we do as an alternative, you know, next. But that's what my Launch Your Encore book is all about. But but I found I just I was just weary. And one day, one of my vice presidents, one of my top guys, I mean, this guy had guts. He came into my office, and he was the one guy on my team that had the courage to tell it to me like it is. And he said, Hans, you know, we need a 100% leader. There's too much at stake. You need to be all in or all gone. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> And he knew I was on this emotional fence because every time we'd start talking about the future, I started hemming and hawing. And he was absolutely right. And that's when I made the decision. A lot of things were happening, but I just said, you know, it's not fair to them for me to hang on because I'm not 100% anymore. And this little book that I wrote recently, The Power of Passion and Leadership, I talk about following your heart. And what happened to me is all the things that I got most excited about at this stage in my life were outside of my core job. I call it, you know, these interests and passion and things, you know, like writing and speaking and mentoring leaders and all the things I really felt like I enjoyed the most were no longer part of my core job. And if that's the place you're at, you need to leave and, and get out of the way. So that's that was my story where I decided I need to go out. You know, I turned 60 and I just said, you know, I need to go out and do what I love and love what I do. It all started one day when I was putting on this little Life is Good baseball cap. You know, the Life is Good company. Yeah, I see them. They have a ton of tire covers on the back of cars <laughs> yeah, everywhere. <laughs> right. Well, they also have really cool T-shirts and baseball caps and clothing and uh I was putting on my baseball cap, uh, my life is good cap, and inside the cap is the slogan of the company. Their brand slogan is do what you like, like what you do. And I read that, and I said, I'm not doing either one. i got to make a change. <laughs> and I did. I quit. 
and I got out of the way and I turned our, our organization over to a younger man who's just fully capable and I went out and followed my passion. So let me ask you about, we brought up uh, kind of burning out and, and when you do lose the passion earlier, um, what are some ways in which people could prevent burnout uh, and then maybe talk a little bit about what would the process look like uh, in leaving properly, you know, you can't just not show up one day. I think there's probably a, a natural process as to how you would transition out of that role, um, you know, so that you leave the organization better off than when you started. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about, you know, burnout prevention and then what it looks like when that time does come to leave. Well, I'm glad you asked that because in my little book, I talk about uh, if you are at burnout, you have two choices. Well, burnout prevention would, I would say, take care of yourself, take your vacations, take time off, don't be a workaholic, uh, have interests outside of work. I see, I run into a lot of workaholics that get burned out because they can't take their foot off the gas. And you know, Americans are the worst people in the world for taking their allotted vacations. You know, Americans don't even take the vacations that are given to them. It's a country of workaholics. Uh, I guess because I'm German. Germans and the French take the most vacation. Of <laughs> <laughs> so I would say to prevent burnout, what I just said, take care of yourself, uh, take your vacations, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you are burned out, I, I have this. Uh, there's two. It's like a cro- uh, you're at a fork in the road. When, you've, when you're burned out and you've lost your passion and you feel you like you're empty, you're part of the walking dead, you've really got two options. One is to stay put and get your groove back. The other is to leave. And I actually tried first that first option. I tried to get my groove back, and my board of directors was very kind and supportive. And But you know what? It didn't work, <laughs> no matter how tried to rearrange things I finally realized I finally realized I just had to leave and so the leaving took me about two years it wasn't instantaneous because well financially it was a huge thing because they were taking really good care of me and to walk away from the package that I had after 20 years as CEO that was the hardest thing the money piece uh, but and so it took a while for that all to come to fruition. And I always tell people, if you feel like you need to bail out, you need to start working on your plan B before you resign from your plan A. And and that's the best thing to do is to start building your new business or whatever you're going to do on the side while you're still while you still have your day job. But I have a, a bunch of ideas of how to get your groove back. Uh, it could be changing your job uh, description. It could be getting an advanced degree, like maybe getting a, an MBA or something. Sometimes that really re- revives people to get an advanced degree. And a lot of companies will pay for you to get an advanced degree. You know, uh, change your um, work assignments. Go to your boss and say, hey, could I change my role here? One of my sons right now is changing Uh, He works for a big company in Chicago downtown, a technology company, and he was telling me he's transferring to another department because of his passion and what he really wants to do. Take a sabbatical, uh, get career coaching, hire a consultant, feed your heart with great books and seminars, 
all kinds of stuff like that to try to get your groove back. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, traveling was a huge part of that. You know, I had been working in my own business for three years, pretty much without a vacation, without stopping. And, you know, as soon as I stripped everything away and really got down to the core of who I am, you know, when you when you take everything away, including my home, uh, you learn a lot about yourself. You know, I was on the road for roughly two months straight. And, uh, you know, I learned what it was like to uh, be in a car with somebody for a 3000 mile road trip who's a relative as opposed to a stranger. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to be at each other's throats by the end of it. And, you know, I learned what it was like to uh, spend Thanksgiving away from my family with a family that, you know, was still relatively new to me. Um, you know, and I, I think that travel is, is such a huge um, instigator for people who are really trying to figure out what it is that they should do next. But yeah, I applaud you for doing that. Uh, and you're young, you know, you're still able to do that. Um, and boy, I applaud you for doing it because I think it can really clear the cobwebs out of your spirit. Yeah, it really does. But you brought up a good point about money. You know, it's hard to leave certain roles that you're in because, you know, that's a paycheck. And for some people, uh, depending on what their passion is, they're looking at, you know, not having a paycheck. So when I left a job that was paying me every two weeks for a job where I get paid every time I get a new client in, you know, that's, that's a pretty tough move to make. So how do you take your passions and the things that you really care about uh, once you realize that your job no longer aligns with it and actually make something profitable out of it? Well, you have two options, you know. One is to go find another job at another company that'll hire you and you do what you love. And I don't want to discount that. I know solopreneurs and working for yourself is so popular and I think it'll continue to be the trend. But I don't want to understate the fact that there are a lot of great companies like my youngest son my not my youngest the one who works in chicago he was in a miserable company and a miserable job but he found a fantastic company and a fantastic job but he didn't have to create his own thing not everybody is wired to create their own thing so i just want to say that to begin with Mm. so it could just be looking for another job uh, by the way, my oldest son is in a very miserable job that he hates, <laughs> but he's married and he's got three kids and a mortgage and they love their home and their schools and, and their church and, and everything. And he's been desperately trying to find a new job for the last couple of years, but he can't because the market of the city where he lives in is pretty small. Mm. And I've tried to encourage him to go out on his own. He's he's a tech wizard. He's a, I mean, he's good. But you know what? He's not wired for that. He said, Dad, I just, I just don't have it in me to start my own company. That's just not my personality. So, you know, we have to remember some of you who are listening are like that. And so it, my poor son, I just keep... Oh, we just want him to find a better job. But, you know, some people are stuck and the money is the biggest thing because they they get obligations and they get a family. And all of a sudden, it's not so easy to do what you did. Just hop in your car and drive across the country. So I encourage you, if you can do it when you're young, do it. It's great. Uh, So but let's talk about the other scenario, starting your own thing. And that's what I did. I, I eventually decided 
And, and I asked my friends, and this is a good thing to do, to get counsel in the presence of a lot of counsel. There's wisdom. And uh, I asked the people that knew me the best, what do you think I should do? Should I go find another job at another nonprofit that's more in line with who I am? And they all said, no, <laughs> start your own thing. So I decided to start my own thing that I had fulfilled my years of working for a company. Even as a CEO, you're, you're still bound to that company and the board and the responsibilities. So I started my own organization and I've been at it now just about three years. It's not easy at all. <laughs> it takes longer than you think. It's harder than you think. Uh, people are not sitting out there waiting for you. You know, I've had to learn, dive into the whole world of social media and web development and, you know, on and on and on. So it, it, it's a good thing, but it's not easy, right? I mean, right. that's, that's what you're doing right now. And you're going to launch your book. And, and I, you know, a lot of people think if I write a book, I'll make money. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm writing my 10th book right now. Only one of the nine that I wrote has been a bestseller. And I'm thankful for that because that thing is making me a lot of good money. But most books don't make anybody any money. So yeah. people are, I, two things that I, people think if I get a podcast, it'll make me money. <laughs> no, podcasts, don't ever go into podcasting to make money. What I use my podcast for, The Leadership Answer Man, is to build my brand and to drive people to my website. But in and of itself, it's very hard to monetize a podcast until you have 50,000 you know, listeners or, or followers, and, and that's very hard to do. Books generally don't make you money. Most books never go past their first print run. Of course, nowadays, you don't even print a print run because a lot of it's just print-on-demand. But I heard somebody say the other day, books have become an expensive business card. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in that. The hope is that they'll get cheaper, though, because as we, you know, technology gets better. And I think when you self-publish on Amazon, you can print copies for yourself for like three or four bucks instead of the, you know, 15 or oh, 20 you might spend. Less in the store. Yeah, less than that. I mean, I print, yeah, my little book is only 80 pages, so I think I... It's a little over a dollar a book to print, and then when I go out and speak, I can sell it for ten or twelve bucks. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. So speaking of actually going out to speak, um, you said you know we were talking about success and how uh, overnight success is achieved in ten years. You know, it's not <laughs> something where uh, you know you you leave your business or your organization, you start a new one, and you know next week it's just everything's working right. And so I was thinking about this a little bit, you know, I am getting ready to go this weekend to speak at a conference, uh, small, about 50 people. But if you were to take any of my friends on the outside, they see, oh, you know, Zeffin's one of the big speakers at this conference and he's getting ready to publish his book and he's got this podcast and he does all these things. And to those people that I'll meet at the conference, they will see the success of whatever I put up on that PowerPoint slide, right? So like that first slide that says who I am and what I've done, that's all they know about me. And so in those three minutes, you know, I've like accomplished, you know, a lifetime's worth of things. And so I think that this is an issue with how, you know, we're displaying ourselves to the public is far too many people are convinced, oh, well, he just woke up one day and it was just like that. 
and exactly. it's really not. I know. That's why I asked you, I think, before we got on the interview about your monetization, and, and we don't need to get into that. But I always ask people, because people make themselves appear to be so successful, that if you dig down in, you find it's not often what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so it's much like how these people that will be sitting in the room will see, you know, the first or second PowerPoint slide within the first three minutes of me talking to them. They don't see the three years leading up to making that PowerPoint slide what it is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's the toughie. And I think that, you know, as for all the listeners tuning in right now, I think that it's just so important to realize that you can accomplish any of the things that you want to do, whether they're on your bucket list or, you know, what you aspire to do. But just know that this is not going to be a quick process. It's most likely not going to be an easy process, uh, but it's most likely worth it. And I think that that's the big thing that you have to hold on to when making a leap like this. Absolutely. Yep. So tell me you've got, I mean, I know you have like nine books out right now, but what were your two most recent ones that you had brought up earlier in the episode? It's called The Power of Passion and Leadership. Okay. Lead, lead from your heart, not just your head. And you can, you can find all my books books on Amazon. Um, and my website, by the way, is hansfenzel.com. But that book is, uh, this little book is a story of my journey uh, from to doing what I love and loving what I do, leaving a big job and following my own passion and career. So the power of passion. And you know, people love to follow leaders who are filled with passion. They hate following leaders that are just going through the motion. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, I became, I started as a very passionate leader for years, but I ended up just going through the motions. So that's why I had to quit. That's that book. Then my other new book is called Launch Your Encore, Finding Adventure and Purpose Later in Life. And it's specifically for baby boomers who, uh, we don't believe in retirement, the R word, you know, when people ask me, when are you going to retire? I just want to slap them in the face because, <laughs> uh, you know, our generation doesn't believe in retirement, but we do believe in repurposing ourselves. And, and a lot of us, like myself, we need to get out of the way and let your generation take over the responsibility of leading and, you know, managing the businesses and the companies and the ministries and the churches. But the boomers want to remain plugged in to uh, significance and contribution. And so what I like to say, I, uh, this book is about answering the question, what's next after I leave my career? I mean, even Jay Leno, baby boomer, he's he had to leave his career. He didn't want to leave The Tonight Show, but, you know, they said it's time for, you know, Jimmy Fallon when you got to get out of the way. And he he didn't fight it. In fact, he's got a new show now, Jay Leno's Garage. Oh, nice. I was real, I've been started to watch it. It's on MSNBC. And, you know, his passion was always cars. And he's an amazing car guy. And so he's launched his encore. And there are stories, uh, by the way, every day, seven to 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 every single day. Wow. And will continue for the next 15 years. And so a lot of them are asking the question, what am I going to do after I, quote, retire? Because I don't want to just lay on the couch and yeah. watch TV. So that's the book, Launch Your Encore, Finding Meaning and Purpose Later in Life. Very cool. And so what's the best place to find? Are these on Amazon? Are they on your website? Yes. 
They're on, well, both, but they're all on Amazon. Yeah, that's the easiest place to find them wherever books are sold. Just go into Amazon and type my name, Hans Finzel, H-A-N-S-F-I-N-Z-E-L. Uh, or go to my website, HansFinzel.com. And that's the best way to reach me and to find my stuff. Perfect. Well, Hans, this has been a great discussion here. Definitely encourage everyone tuning in to go ahead and check out your books. And uh, I know you're getting ready to head out mountain biking in Colorado, so I will leave you to it. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the day and this amazing weather that you have out there. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. I will see you. Bye-bye. This episode of The Year of Purpose is brought to you by our brand new book, Life Rescripted. Find your purpose and design your dream life before the curtains close. If you want to be the first in line to receive a free digital copy from me, all you have to do is head on over to www.liferescriptedbook.com to find out more. I've discovered what I think is the world's most effective process to design your path in life. It'd be a shame if I didn't share it. In Life Rescripted, you will discover the number one strategy for determining your life purpose and how you can start a new path today the 5x life hack rule for accomplishing your dreams and designing your life on your own terms five times faster, the ultimate solution for fear and how you can leverage it right now to make this year your best year yet, and so much more. Reserve your spot in line to get a free copy at www.liferescriptedbook.com and I will see you in the next episode.